Awesome. Thank you, everybody who's teaching our kids today. You guys remember that we can teach a kid the gospel in three years, uh, and we pray that our teachers are blessed as they are teaching. And uh, we do have some openings in our uh, three to six-year-old teachers. So if you are... Uh, if you are willing to teach, all that information is there, and you rotate in about uh, once, once every six weeks uh, to teach them. So if you have interest in that, please uh, put that on your uh, connection card and drop that in for us. Awesome. Well, good morning. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we invite you. Uh, we, we want you to be here with us and to speak to us, to speak through us. Uh, just, just show us what you would have and help us to take it in the world, God. I pray that beyond this building, Father, that this would be a pep rally and, and that beyond this place, um, God, we speak your words. We speak life into our community and into those that we love. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, we've been walking through uh, the book of First Peter, written by Peter. We're in 1 Peter chapter 4. Uh, I'll read to you 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 12. And if you, are, uh, if you are a guest with us today, we are honored to have you. Doesn't matter who you are. Uh, and and don't, don't duck your head because your life is a train wreck. You are all aboard the train wreck express today. You are, you are in here uh, with, with the best, with the best of the worst. Or maybe the worst of the worst. I don't know how that plays out, but we all need Jesus. Amen? Okay. Uh, so if you don't know where First Peter is, uh, that's okay. Nobody expected you to be a scholar uh, or to have the Bible memorized today. Uh, we have the scripture on the screen for you. But we do really want you to take a Bible home with you and go home and read. Start where we're at today. That would be a good place to start. If you've never read the Bible b before, uh, there is a book called John. It's in the New Testament. The Bible's in two sections. There's the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament tells the story of God creating the world, promising that one day a, a, a Savior, a Messiah, will come. And the New Testament is when that Messiah, that Savior, comes. That is Jesus. All right? Jesus had a disciple whose name was Peter. Peter wrote a few books, and we cleverly named them First and second, Peter. First Peter, which is the first of the two letters that he wrote. You'll see how this works. Chapter 4, verse 12. Dear friends, don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you as if something unusual were happening to you. That's one of the most intriguing things, in my opinion, about um, our world today, is there's some things that are just unusual that are going on, and we think we, this has never happened, and it's caught us by surprise. Did Jesus not tell us this would happen? Don't be surprised when more continues to happen. I mean, the Bible has prophesied that this will happen, and it, it, it will happen, and so you see some of those things unfold, and uh, don't be surprised, but it's all okay as long as it's somewhere else, right? When it happens to me, though, it's different. 
Don't be surprised when the, when the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you as if something unusual were happening to you. Can I tell you, although what you're going through is unusual to you, maybe, that it's not unusual in the grand scheme of things? Can I just speak that, not knowing maybe what you're going through? Can I tell you that it's not really unusual? And you're grinning like, you don't know. <laughs> and you're right. You're right, I don't. I didn't write the sermon for anyone in particular. I believe that the Lord gave this to me. I was done with First Peter last week, and he's like, no, 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 we're still going. And so I don't know what it is that you're going through, but, but Peter is writing through the influence of the Holy Spirit to the church, Jews and Gentiles, and he says, don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you as if something unusual were happening to you. He's like, hey, we're all going through this, Jack. And it may, it may manifest differently. It may surface differently. But it's all of the same origin. And so we have something that's going on. And maybe this is Satan put something in there on you, okay? And if you, dude, if you're, you're taking a... a a bath with your phone you drop it in the water that that wasn't satan stop taking a bath with your phone okay not everything is satan is trying to get to me sometimes it is just literally the evilness of our own hearts anybody in here uh have an evil heart yeah some people admit it and others you are are in denial have you not done things that you're like, I can't believe I did that. I never thought I'd be here. How many times have you said that? I just, I just never thought this would be me. I never thought I would do this. I never thought I'd be here. And if you're a preteen, you're still thinking that, and we're like, oh, sweetheart. <laughs> the Bible says that the heart of man is evil, and that's why we need Jesus, because we are all there. So whoever you are today, we're all in the same boat. We need a Savior. A Savior from what? Well, first of all, from the mirror, and secondly, from our enemy. We need a Savior. That's every one of us. Nobody, nobody in here is too good for that. I want to take you back um, to a story in the Old Testament. So God shows up to a man named Abraham and says, Through you, I'm going to have a, a people, and you're going to be the priest to all the nations. All the world will be blessed through you. And then this man is supposed to have like a ton of kids, right? Well, not so much. But he has a son named Isaac. And he repeats the promise to Isaac. And he's like, through you, I'm going to bless everybody. And then Isaac has a ton of kids, right? Well, not so much. Isaac has a son named Jacob. And God goes to Jacob and says, through you, I'm going to bless everybody. You're going to be a kingdom of priests. And then Jacob has a ton of kids, right? Yes. And it is Jerry Springer. I mean, it gets wild, okay? It gets wild. But God changes Jacob's name to Israel, Israel, which is where we get the nation of. Guys, it's so easy to preach to you. It's like cutting through butter talking to you. It really is. So that's where we get Israel. So we have our, our three patriarchs of, of Judaism, essentially, but really of, of us as well because we've been grafted in. So you have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, or Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Israel has 12 sons. Those are the 12 tribes of Israel. 
and we explode from there. Now, during Jacob's lifetime, his descendants were growing quite numerous, and a great drought comes on the land, and so uh, one of his descendants, whose name is Joseph, goes down to Egypt against his will, and through a turn of events that God caused, Joseph becomes second in command in Egypt. So during the great drought, Joseph tells his family to come down to Egypt. So they do, and they're big. But they also are sheep herders, goat herders, and the Egyptians, no, 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 we don't, we don't, we don't do shepherds. We don't do livestock people. They were, they were nasty to them. So they gave them a place kind of outside the city. And so there was Egypt and there was Pharaoh and Joseph was serving Pharaoh. And then right outside you have the Jews. They didn't, weren't Jews then. They were Israelites or the Hebrew-speaking people because that's the language they spoke was Hebrew. And they grew and grew and grew. And so many generations down the line, uh, a new Pharaoh who didn't know Joseph Joseph is gone, says, man, these people are getting really, really, really populated. Let's make them slaves. So they did. This happened for quite some time that uh, the Israelites were in slavery, in bondage, and they begin to cry out to the Lord for salvation from their slavery. Now, I need you to understand that their slavery, slavery has taken many, many forms in the history of the world. And, and fantastically, today, it like doesn't exist anymore, right? You know, it's actually, uh, there are probably more slaves today than there's ever been in history. It just takes different forms. And so through sex trafficking or, hey, we'll get you into the country and then you have to work to pay off your debt to be brought into the country and just so happens that coincides with the day you die it's paid off right that's the kind of slavery that we have today but uh, this was a brutal brutal form of slavery and and the people were being treated uh, very poorly they had terrible demands on them they were having to work all day uh, in in really hard labor Jobs And so this is the kind of thing where if you didn't work hard enough, someone would literally whip you. So this is this, the form of slavery that they were going through. Obviously, they were crying out to God to be saved from this. Okay? Now, this is where we meet a guy named Moses. I'm not going to go deep into the story. If you'll read the book of Exodus, especially, especially the first part, it's a really fascinating story. Um, it's, it's, it's neat to read. I, I really encourage you to do that. Uh, and then go online and study. It's pretty cool. Uh, Kate and I were listening to a book last night, and uh, it has been said that there is not archaeology that contradicts or disproves the Bible. I mean, there, there's not. So with every, with every shovel, with every spade, we are validating uh, that God is right. It's pretty neat. But we meet a man named Moses. 
God hears the cries of his people to be let free from slavery, and he sends Moses. And Moses, I'm going to give you just a little bit here. If this goes over your head, it's fine. Moses is sort of a precursor to Jesus. So you'll see a lot of similarities between what Moses did and what Jesus did because that would later validate Jesus as the Son of God. But uh, Moses comes in as God's chosen man to bring in a covenant uh, from God to his people and give them a law, a way to live by, and, and, and bring them freedom from slavery. Check out Exodus chapter 3, verse 7 with me. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people in Egypt. And they were going through it, probably asking, where's our God? And he's like, I'm, I see it, I see it. And have heard them crying out because of their oppressors. I know about their sufferings, and I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them from that land to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, a little plug for uh, Sunday Night Discipleship. And I have come down to rescue them. Jesus was there in the Exodus to bring the people out. I'll show you tonight when we have our discipleship class right here at 6 o'clock. But this is where we meet Moses because God is going to work through Moses. He's going to usher something in uh, through Moses. And so in Exodus chapter 3, verse 2, we have this. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, to Moses, in a flame of fire within a bush. As Moses looked, he saw that the bush was on fire but was not consumed. And this is where God speaks to Moses and says, I want you to go let my people, who Moses was one of, he had just been able to escape, I want you to let my people out of slavery. And Moses understands. He's been there. He grew up in Uh, the palace with Pharaoh. He understands the power of the place. He understands that this is not going to work by any human effort. This is the greatest nation on the face of the earth and an enslaved people fighting against them. It's not going to work. So he stutters on the deal, pun intended, because Moses actually stuttered. But Moses is like, "Mm -mm, can't do it. God finally says, Yes, you can, and you will. So he does. Now, Moses goes into Egypt, and he tells Pharaoh, I'm going to make this a short story. Let my people go. And Pharaoh says no, because he had a hard heart. So a series of plagues come over the Egyptian people. And for like the first three of those, you see that Pharaoh had a hard heart. He would not let the people go. And any miraculous deed that God did, Pharaoh's magicians would repeat it. Now, does that, that's kind of weird, right? Like turning the water into blood, and then Pharaoh's, they were able to do it. And like, they did some pretty mystical stuff. There is power out there. You know what I'm saying? If you search hard enough for evil, you will find something powerful. There's something there. There's something to be feared. But after about three of those, it was gone. It was over. And they could no longer perform the miracles that were happening. And when I say miracle, we think of miracle like, oh, I'm healed, I'm blessed. And this was a miracle of like, 
hey, Egypt is covered in frogs. Still don't quite get that one. I think it was a shot at one of the gods that Egypt served. But yes, they were covered with gnats. They were covered with frogs. The sun was darkened. Locusts came and ate all their crops. I mean, these people got wrecked. And the last plague that happened was the firstborn child in every family was killed. And finally, Pharaoh let the people go. Now, you will notice also in the last plagues that God actually hardened Pharaoh's heart because he wanted the Egyptians to see the extent of his power so that they would worship him. Now, imagine being an Israelite and you have been enslaved. Maybe they held on to their God as a whole. Maybe they didn't. For the most part, we see that the, the entirety of the nation pretty well held on to Yahweh, their God, as being the God and wouldn't worship Egyptian gods. And you know that they had been mocked and they had been spit on and literally flogged and whipped for years. Many of them were born into this, is all they had ever known. Moses comes and talks straight to the head honcho himself, Pharaoh, and Pharaoh gets ticked, right? You are nervous as a cat because your life is already horrible. How much worse is it going to be if Moses fails? And then it happens. And you're like, this is it. Pharaoh's going to let us go because, you know, all, the, all of his crops are eaten. And then he doesn't. And you're like, oh, no. And, I mean, imagine the roller coaster of emotions like, this hellstorm has just literally killed like all their livestock. Surely they'll let us go. And then Pharaoh won't. And then Moses does another thing. And you're just, you're behind there. And finally, they're all in. They're like, get him, Moses. Do it. Right? They're just, they're pumped. They have gone from the most lowly to, we're, we're going to take them out. We don't even have to do anything. Our God is going to take, what an awesome God that we serve. Right? up and down and up and down and they're afraid and you know you know that Moses is going through some scrutiny because you're doing your job too right <laughs> like I mean somebody thinks you're doing your job wrong imagine Moses position I mean this was a really really intense series of events roller coaster of a life and then finally the firstborn of all are killed, all except for the Israelite people because they put a sacrificial lamb, <coughs> lamb of God, Jesus is the lamb of God. They put a sacrificial lamb's blood over the doorpost, over the entrance to their dwelling, heart. Get it? Lamb, blood, heart, okay? Still, this is what we do today. They put a sacrificial lamb's blood over the entrance to their dwelling and uh, the angel of the Lord would pass over those people and no one would die in that home because they were recognized as God's chosen. And so still that's today, Jesus being our sacrificial lamb. We accept him, we accept the blood over the entrance of our dwelling and we are chosen as God's people, right? This is still, this all happened for a reason. But all this happens and finally Pharaoh says, fine, let him go. Can you imagine? Now they're going to leave slavery. 
they were finally going to walk out of this massive oppression and into the Garden of Eden. They're going to walk into the most beautiful thing and they're just going to have their own government and they're going to follow God and nobody's ever going to pick on them again and there will never be problems again and they will never fight again and all the people are just going to get along now and, and even women will be nice to each other. And yeah, y'all laugh now. You're a sexist, not me. And it's just going to be fantastic. It's, it's, it's going to be awesome. A couple of interesting things happen. Exodus chapter 13, verse 20. The people leave, right? They are, they're finally released from Egypt. And a cool thing happens. All the Egyptians give them gold as they leave. Because God said, not only will you leave, you'll plunder the people. So all the people actually get gold as they're leaving. It's a pretty farewell gift. They go out, and verse 20, Exodus 13, 20, they set out from Sukkoth and camped at Etham, and on the edge of the wilderness, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud. That's kind of cool. I get gold. God is just going to like lead our way in this awesome cloud to lead them on their way during the day in a pillar of fire to give them light at night. That's kind of cool. Everything truly is going to be perfect now. So that they could travel day or night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night never left its place in front of the people. We were right. It's going to be perfect. Garden of Eden all over again. Exodus 14.4. Then the Lord spoke to Moses. Tell the Israelites to turn back. Not real comfortable with turning back towards Egypt at this moment, but okay, whatever. In front of Pahiroth, just say it real fast, everybody thinks you know what you're talking about. Between Migdal and the sea, you must camp in front of Belsiphon, facing it by the sea. Pharaoh will say of the Israelites, they are wandering around the land in confusion. The wilderness has boxed them in. Why would we want Pharaoh to say that? Verse 4, this is God speaking. I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them. Tom, God, could we give you some advice on this? <laughs> Let's not push our luck. Let's just go. We got the gold. We got the gold. We're headed towards whatever jungle. Akuma Matata is like right here. We're going to sing songs. I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them. Then I will receive glory by means of Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this, albeit reluctantly. And then they're trapped. There's the Red Sea in front of them. There is an army pursuing them. There's nothing that they can do but die. They have no weapons. What are they going to do, throw the Egyptians' gold back at them? They didn't walk out with swords and stuff. So, 
Moses goes out, puts his staff into the sea, and the sea parts, and the people pass through the sea onto dry land on the other side. Pharaoh's army pursues them through the sea, and the sea collapses back in on Pharaoh's army. Now, of all the intensity that they have seen, this has got to be the one. This is, have you ever played, you, you know, anybody, anybody play Mario in here, some Nintendo games? The closer you get to Bowser, like the harder the levels get, and at some point there's rising lava, and like you're just jumping from thing to thing, and if you miss a beat, you die in the lava, and it's just like, ah! your thumbs are sore by the time you're over because the lava's so close. It's just like so intense. That's a stupid video game. They are walking through the sea with the foremost army in the world hot on their heels. It is intense. And when they get to the other side, the sea crashes down and they see the greatest army in the world pillaged by their God. And then a really neat thing happens and you may have read it before or actually started to read it and you're like this is really boring and then you skipped it but a really neat thing happens in Exodus chapter 15 they wrote a song I think this is interesting Exodus 15 1 then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord they said I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. He has thrown the horse and its rider into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The, Lord's, the Lord is his name. He threw Pharaoh's chariots and his army into the sea. The elite of his officers were drowned in the Red Sea. So you mean the plagues didn't even make the song? Nothing of slavery makes the song. The ten plagues, the fraud, that had to be weird. You just wake up every morning, everything, like the people can't even eat. There's frogs all in their food. It's just like all these frogs everywhere. That, somebody got to put a song about that. I mean, that's, that's got to make your lyrics. And it, this, is, this, is, this is what I've, I've gathered from this. As they're, they're leaving, they're Pharaoh has oppressed them, and God burst through the door of slavery with all these miraculous things, and they come out to the other side, and they think that they're done. They don't even have the lyrics to their song yet. Let me tell you that we have some folks in this place, every one of you, who have had to burst through something at some point. If not, God is speaking to you through a burning bush going, I'm ready to let you go. You just got to follow me. And you're going, but I stutter. I can't do this. We're pumped for you because we're like, your story's about to start and we can't wait to see it. And some of you are like, I went, I went and I got over this. And man, I am, I am proud. It's a, it's a lifelong achievement. I am, I, I just, I love being with you because I can sit here and name people You've been to rehab, you've gotten out of there, you've done it, you have made it. You have burst through the doors of Egypt. But you ain't even got your song lyrics yet. It is not over. Pumbaa and Timon are not waiting for you 
in the jungle to sing songs. There is still an enemy. There is still your nature. You still have battles to fight. But here's the thing. They were so afraid of this army that they're just begging God to do something or we're going to die. And it had to be Jesus that released them. And so when they write a song, they write it about Jesus. They didn't write it about Moses. See, maybe when they came out of Egypt, they were still giving Moses a little bit of credit. Aaron, his brother, was the spokesperson because Moses stuttered so bad. He's like, God, you got to let me. Maybe Aaron was going to make the song. The song ain't about Aaron. The song is not about Moses. And if you haven't figured it out yet, <laughs> let's get there quick. Because you have more. God told them to wander around and make it look like they're trapped. Why aren't we pushing our luck? God, let's just, let's just breeze on through. I got, stuff, I got stuff to do other places. I know you want me to go get trapped in the Red Sea, but I, I'm washing my hair tonight. Like, I, mm-mm, that doesn't fit my schedule. He had it happen because he wanted them to understand who he was. And you're praying for things like, God, you gotta, you got to get me out of this. you gotta, you got to do this. You gotta. <sighs> if your song isn't about Jesus, you, you don't have your lyrics yet. He will deliver you. Sometimes we leave slavery just to go into the wilderness. But being in the wilderness doesn't necessarily mean that you're outside the will of God. God brought them to the wilderness as a proving ground, as a testing ground, as a way to show them. And you're in good company if you're in the wilderness. Because later you meet a guy named David. David had to learn to trust God. Where did he do it? Running for his life in the wilderness. Spent a pretty good bit of his life in the wilderness. Elijah did one of the most miraculous things. Or, I mean, he, he asked God to do it, but he was there. And then he ran for his life. And God had to show him something because he literally wanted to die. They were pursuing him. And where did he find God? In the wilderness. Jesus was on to something big. And he had to go out and be tempted. And so the Holy Spirit brought him out into the wilderness. Let me tell you, if you feel like God has abandoned you because you've escaped slavery just to wind up in the wilderness, God hasn't abandoned you. He's courting you. He's showing you your best stuff yet. He's given you the lyrics to your song. The stuff that you've been through didn't even make the words yet. That's an after story. What he's doing right now is going to bring you so much closer to him. Growth happens in the wilderness. Church, do you get that? Growth happens 
in the wilderness. I know that you've been through some stuff, and it was bad, and there's, I, I have, I, I'm, I'm just giving you the word. That's not from me. You tell me your stuff that you've been through, and we'll just sit down and cry together, because I, I don't know, I don't know what else to do, but God will bring you through it, and many of you, you can already say, God has brought me through it, but now you're in the wilderness. I, I, I'm not sad for you. I'm pumped for you, because I know that God is speaking to you. He's going to show you things that you will use for the rest of your life, and every time you get in a pinch again, you're going to go, no, 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 no. I, I've been here. I know this wilderness experience. I've met God on a personal level before. It's not somebody else. It's not something he did necessarily for the whole nation. It's not something that's vague and generalized and conceptualized that is just like, yes, I believe in this. No, it's something that personally happened to me in the wilderness. So if you're in the wilderness today, you're in good company, but buckle down, focus, spend time with God. You need to be reading your word. You need to be spending time in prayer. Please do not stall. <laughs> it's great. Having been, how many of you are like, man, I got the closest to the Lord in the worst time of my life? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You want to go back? No, no. <laughs> Glad I did it. Glad it's over. Let's be done with it. Buckle in and, and, and get as close to God as possible. James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. Consider it. This almost seems like a joke. Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. I'm going to read that again. Anybody in here is in a wilderness, anybody in here that's in a trial, I need you to hone down right now, just focus. Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials. I had a guy tell me one time, he's like, well, Jesus must not have anybody owe him money. <laughs> I know you got serious trials. I'm not making light of it, but man, it's almost like he is. Consider it a great joy? Is this sick? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. God is developing you into something else, and if you will focus on him, if you will allow him to bring you through this, if you will allow him to destroy Pharaoh's army, if you will meet with him in the desert, you will be something entirely different on the other end of the wilderness. Can I say this, though? Can I, can I, can I, can I just give us all as a whole a little bit of slap in the face? This is me, too. We don't want God to take us through the wilderness. What we want is for God to bless us to the point that we don't need God anymore. Think about your prayers. Is that not what you've been asking? You know what, God? Would you just kind of get me to the point where I don't need you anymore? And there's some, some noble in there. there, there there's a sense of, of, of honor and pride in that. You know, I don't want to bother you anymore. If you could just kind of get me to hear I'll take it from there. It just, if you'll just steer me around the wilderness, then, then, man, I'll be on my way, God. You won't have any more trouble from me. <laughs> that seems silly, 
But think about what we pray for most of the time. It's what we want. That would, God taking you around the wilderness would not be a blessing to you. That would be a curse to you. God steering you around the wilderness would be a curse. Just listen to what he says. I'm still in James chapter 1. Let's go to verse 12 now. Blessed is the one who endures trials because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. God is not worried about where you will end up. He already knows the end of the story. He's worried about your faithfulness in the journey. He'll take care of the end results. Worship team, I want you to go ahead and come up. John 16, 32 to 33. Jesus is speaking, and he says, Indeed, an hour is coming and has come when each of you will be scattered to his own home, and you will leave me alone. Man, intense. Talk about the disciples going up through the trial of Jesus and watching him be crucified, and on the other end of that was some wilderness. You better believe it. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. Listen, church. (laughs) You will have suffering. You will have enemies. You will have wilderness experience. But be courageous. I have conquered the world. Jesus said, it's going to go down. I promise. But be courageous. I've got it. Now, the Israelites leave Egypt to go into the wilderness. Moses uh, goes up on a mountain after, after Pharaoh and all of his armies have been destroyed. Moses goes up, and the people just begin to sin and complain and go against God, and he, he punishes them. He says, this generation will not be allowed to go into the promised land that I have promised. I'm waiting for a new generation who will follow me. I've done everything for you, and you would not... Walk with me through the wilderness, although I took you out of slavery. But even even then, the people complained, we have nothing to eat in the wilderness, and every day something that they call manna would show up. And they would just gather it and eat. They had nothing to drink, Moses taps a rock, water comes out. They complained that it's getting boring eating manna every day. So God sends quail every morning. Continues to take care of them. Listen, if you are in the wilderness, your God will take care of you. Your God will take care of you. Read your Bible. Pray. Go to church. Be the church. Get closer to God, and He will take you through the wilderness into the promised land. If you are still in slavery, and God is speaking, just like He did to Moses in that burning bush, man, Moses had a choice. He could have chosen not to follow God. Think, praise God, Moses chose to answer the call that comes out of this burning bush. And maybe that one's you. You say, you know what, I'm not, forget the wilderness, 
I'm still in slavery. We can't wait to watch God deliver you. But your song will be about Jesus or it won't be worth singing. Because nobody, nobody in this place is good enough to get themselves out of slavery. And nobody in this place is good enough to maneuver their way through the wilderness. And not one of us can take ourselves to the promised land. It will be about Jesus or we won't get there. So your takeaway, God has not left you. Listen to me, church. God has not left you. Well, I've been praying for this. Maybe he doesn't want you to have that. Well, I've been praying to get led out of slavery. So were they. And he heard it. And he delivered according to his timing. Church, God has not left you. You spend some time meeting with Jesus and he will reveal his will, his way. He will show you all the things that you need. Put your faith in Jesus and he will bring you through. One last um, section of people. If you're in the promised land, it is your responsibility to show others. To write a song about the goodness of your God who got you there. So let's be asking God to give us divine appointments of people that are in the exact same spot we've been in so that we can lovingly walk with them as Christ delivers them from slavery. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for bringing us out of slavery. We pray that you will guide us through the wilderness, Father. God, I just want to speak on behalf of of every person that says, it has been a minute since I have seen God do something in my life. God, I pray that you will give them whatever they need to hang on, to hold on. God, I pray that they will, um, that they will hold fast to your word and in prayer and that you will meet with them, God. You said you won't leave us hanging and so we believe that, but Lord, we, we, we need something. We need something today. You know us, God. So I pray that you will give us that. Give us, give us something to hold on to. God, just as, they, just as a man came up to you, Jesus, while you were on earth, and he said, I believe, help me in my unbelief. Would you do that for us today, Father? And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Um, baskets are gonna come up. If you've got a connection card, would you drop that in for us? Fill out uh, whatever you feel comfortable with on that. But if we can walk with you through something, put that on, uh, drop that in. Better yet, come see us after service. Also, if you're a believer, part of the way that we worship is with our tithe and offering. That's the appropriate place to drop that as well. Stand and worship with us, please. Mm-hmm.